Casa de Cambio. I'm very excited to be back. It's 2023. It is the first episode of the new season and the first episode of the year. With me today, I have Kathy Petrozinski. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, thanks for having me. How's your week going? Yeah, really good. Uh, so beginning of the week, getting back into it after the break for Christmas and New Year. Amazing, amazing. And tell us a little bit about your holiday to New Zealand because you were talking about that before we hit record. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Great to have a break. So went and did um, some hiking, kayaking, some adventure activities in Queenstown, which was fantastic. Um, so just, you know, took the kind of holiday to go and physically exhaust myself. After. Oh, did you do a bungee jump or a canyon swing? No, I didn't do it. I, I was going to do a bungee jump or a canyon swing, but instead we decided to do um, parasailing. Is Paragliding? Like the one uh, one yeah. on the water or the one where you jump off the Behind mountain? Behind the boat, the one where you jump off the mountain. But I didn't get to do it because it was on our like last day there pretty much and it was a really windy day and it got cancelled, so I had no chance to um, reschedule. So it's kind of good because now that puts down like an activity to do this year. Like, yeah. you know, it's that kind of like, oh, well, I was going to do it and I missed out on it. So now I've got to go find somewhere else. It's just an excuse for another holiday really now. Yeah. I went to Queenstown in September and I've never been to Milford Sound, despite having been to New Zealand a few times. Um, and my friend and I stayed in Wanaka and we booked a scenic flight to Milford Sound because, as you know, it's like three and a half, four hours yeah. drive from Wanaka and Queenstown. So we went, oh, well, we'll have a scenic flight. And we'll do Milford Sound and it kept getting cancelled because of the weather and we kept moving things around. And then it was like, oh, what should we do? Oh, let's go to some wineries. And it's like, oh, we've been to so many wineries. But, yeah, I feel the same way about that. Uh, I did do the canyon swing back in, was that, 2014. And I said I would live my whole life and never do that. And I decided to do it to get out of my comfort zone. Um, And how was it? Yeah, look, I did it. But some people, <laughs> some people were like doing their canyon swing or their jump, and like they had this crazy, and they were like, you know, crazy adrenaline adrenaline rush, and they were like, "Whoa, oh my god, that was amazing! I need to do it again right now." And they had a thing where because they'd already weighed you and like done all like set or done all the setup for your harness, like it was quite expensive to do it, but you could have done a second jump for like fifty bucks. And they were like, "Do you want to do a second jump?" I was like, "No." no I'm good I'm I'm good yeah (laughs) so I was very nervous um the whole because we in the day like I think we booked some whitewater rafting it was like a package we did whitewater rafting we did a helicopter ride and then I wanted the canyon swing to be first but of course it was last and so the whole day I was like and my friend who I went with her nickname is squid um she is like miss extreme like her first one she jumped backwards off the platform and she was like yeah and so she just was not at all empathetic to my nervousness and was teasing me about it the whole day um but yeah when I got it when you get into the thing like into the harness and you're on the edge and like you're all like ready to go it's like kind of like that bit where you're on a roller coaster and you get it goes really slowly up the to the top and then when it kind of goes over the top you're like you realize this is happening and I can't get yeah, off like yeah. it was that feeling yeah. um but the actual the bit where you drop I didn't like but the bit where you swing that was really fun yeah but yeah the dropping bit not so much but yeah I did it I don't think I'll do it again so <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway I'm not here to talk about holidays as much as I could probably also host the holiday podcast we're here to talk about prehab for change 
But before we get into that, there's a couple of questions I ask every guest who comes onto the podcast. And the first one is, what are you currently watching, listening, or reading? Yep. Um, so reading, there's two books that I'm reading at the moment. Um, and one of them is uh, Think Again by Adam Grant. So um, oh. not, have you heard of that one? I've heard of Adam Grant. I follow him on social media. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So Think Again. Um, it's really good. I'm really enjoying that. Um, and the other one that I'm le- reading is Change Leader by Dr. Jen Fram. Um, oh, so a bit late to the party on that one, Kathy. Yeah, I've ha- yeah, I know. I, I am a bit late to the party on that one. <laughs> no, I'm and just I've joking. Had it for a while, but it's like you know, now now I'm actually getting into reading it. Um, but I've got another one that I want to start, which is called The Comfort Crisis, um, which you know the blurb on it has the words around it that you need to embrace discomfort to reclaim your wild, happy, healthy self. Oh. So that's my next one to tackle. You need to do a canyon swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's the last chapter, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. That's part of the reason I did it. I was like, oh, when you get out of your comfort zone, it's where growth happens. So I somehow yeah. translated it into you've got to jump off a platform into a canyon. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there are much easier ways of doing it. That's exciting. Um, yeah. Anything that you're like watching or listening to? Watching, not really. I don't tend to watch TV that much. Um, and when I do, I just binge things that I've already watched. So, yep. Yep. you know, yeah. Um, but listening to podcasts, like, again, I listened to the um, the Work Life by Adam Grant podcast, that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've just started uh, listening to Brene Brown's podcast, the Dead Lead podcast. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. 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 So, you know, but I jump around a little bit with podcasts because I find topics that I'm interested in and then I go and search out the topic. Um, but it's it's hard to find podcasts that you really like. So, I mean, obviously, really like your podcast and that's on my list. Um, well, but I yeah, I've been in any of episodes of mine for a while. Yeah. I, so been, <laughs> I, I was re listening to some of yours actually because when you put out the thing last year about um, what was top on your Spotify wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, I was re re listening to some of your podcasts. So I do I do find that I like to reread and re listen to things. I will say that. Like I'm definitely mm. I go back to things because I think I'll read or I'll listen to something and it would give me an idea and then it gives you some time to think about it and then I go back to that again. Yeah. So I often, you know, even when I'm reading books, it would take me a while because I read and think and then I'll go back and, you know, reread. And I'm also one of those people that highlights and writes in the margins and like, you know, yeah. um, I don't just, I can't just read a book. I have to kind of yeah. get down into the detail of it. Yeah, there are certain books, like most of the change management books that I'm looking at in my bookcase, I do keep them and then I'll be thinking, oh, what was it that, Jen said in Change Leader and I'll go and get the book and, you know, yeah. reread that bit or go, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, particularly if they're kind of work or career or non-fiction books like that, it's, you know, reference books of some, then I'll definitely do that and keep the books around. I remember mum once asked me, she was reading Lean Change by Jason Little because it was on my coffee table. She's like, this is great. Can I borrow it? I was like, no, I need that for work. Like, <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a book that I lend out because yes, yes. <laughs> I'm always going back to it. Sorry, mum. Yeah. The other thing I'll do, like I get quite nerdy and I'll actually have a look. I'll start to read the books that are the reference books. So yeah. and that's also the same with like, you know, podcasts or like, you know, things that I'm listening to, if they reference a book, if they've got an author on and like, you know, reference a book, then I'll go, oh, that's really interesting. And I'll go and get the book and like, yeah. you know, so yeah. So I kind of get very topic heavy and dive down into topics. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, second question. 
What was the best piece of career advice you ever received? Yeah, I actually found this to be a really hard question. It's a hard question, (laughs) especially when you get a bit older. I think when you're younger, a lot of people are giving you advice and it's applicable. When you get older, you're like, oh, advice. Oh, anyway, I'll let you answer the question. (laughs) Well, and I also think, so when I was thinking about it, it's also a lot of the advice I think is implied, right? Like, you know, so Mm. early in your career, you get very explicit advice. Um, But Mm. then as you go on, I think it's more implied through conversations, right? Um, and so for me, probably the best bit, and it's that it's a saying, but it's that saying of like, you know, that the skills that you have currently are not the same skills that you need in the next job. Right. So like, mm. you know, as you start to move on, um, and I had heard that as a saying, but then I did have someone actually say that to me. So when I'd moved, you know, starting to move up the career ladder and, um, had moved into a more senior change role and someone mm. asked me the question of like, you know, so what are you going to do differently? Um, And it did actually kind of stop me in my tracks a little bit because I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, like that. What am I going to do differently? And it starts to position that idea of what do I need to let go of, right? Like, you know, because to do things differently, I need to stop doing some things. So yeah, and start doing other things. Yeah, start doing other things. That's right. Like, you know, so I think even now, like, you know, that's something for me that as I you know, move through, if I get into a role that's got a bit more responsibility, one of the things I start to ask myself is, well, what are you going to do differently? What are you going to stop? Like, you know, the same Mm. things that got you to here are not going to get you to the next place. Yeah. And so many, so often people get promoted because they have strong technical skills and they're good at the job. But then when they're in a leadership position, those skills matter less and less. It's all about leading people and managing people and managing up and, you know, influencing without authority, you know, it becomes yeah. a whole different ball game, which is why so many people, you know, they get put into head of change roles and they don't have a background in change management yeah. because it becomes less important to have the technical skills. I I think a bit of both is good. And yeah, you can see people who are amazing change managers go into head of change roles. And I'm saying head of change because Kathy's just been promoted to head of change. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, and you see it in all professions, like, you know, accountants becoming CFOs because they're good with numbers, but then they're in a leadership role. So yeah, excellent advice. Thank you. Good. Um, so moving into the topic, nice good preamble. It's good for, good for the first podcast episode of the year. Um, what is prehab for change? Let's start at the beginning. Yeah, let's start at the beginning. So before we talk about it for change, let's talk about prehab generally. Yes. Okay. Um, so I will start with that I am an amateur sports coach. So I coach netball teams, mm-hmm. like you know, as a bit of a hobby. Um, and that's at the club and association level. Um, what netball position do you play? So this is a very interesting story. I grew up playing goal attack uh-huh. um, and then at a point in time I was moved to defence, right? Oh, um, I grew up playing goalkeeper and I moved to goal attack, goal shooter and I was a really good goal shooter. Which, well, I think it's really helpful because you understand the position in a whole different way, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And you can kind Always of... got like the, the rebounds. Well, and what I found, it was really easy to think about what the goal attack or goal shooter were going to do because you just think about what you would have done, right? Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So- um yeah so it would and so I grew up playing and like you know then I've been coaching I started coaching um as a teenager then kind of stopped for a while started again um but I really like it like I love it and I often say to people that coaching a sport um especially a team sport for me it's absolutely like change it's like change in action right like you know there's so many transferable skills from 
sports coaching. Yeah, you've got your desired future state, you've got your vision, you've got the goal that we're working towards, you know what everyone needs to do to get there and you're, yes. And also every match is different, right? So, and it's the same with change is that, so you can have your your way, like your method. You can't just repeat the same stuff. You can't repeat, absolutely. And you've got to be able to read it in the moment and like, you know, then there's all the, you get into your influencing skills about like, you know, how do you give feedback to people and like, you know, so yeah, I would be, that's one of my like real tips for people is if you want to go and really flex some, some change muscle, go coach your team. I'm just, I'm just giggling. Cause I'm like, I would love if you could be sitting in a sticker going here, if you need, 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 Kathy. <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Continue. Well, yeah, no, well, I would be more like the coach on the sideline that would then say to the people in the staircase, like, you know, do you think that was the right move? <laughs> but again, wouldn't it be great if you could just yell it from the sideline? <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Jody is free. She's free to Jody. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking around. Let, I'm, I don't no, mean to. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, it's great. It's great. But that's part. But that's actually part of what this is all about, right? Like, so, so let me get back to the yeah. idea of prehab. So, yes. coaching sports teams, um, and I got introduced to this idea of prehab from, like, you know, an yeah. athlete. Kind of yeah. So what prehab is, is it's an individual program that athletes do mm-hmm. to help them prepare and keep themselves healthy and fit throughout a sports season, right? And when I say it's an individual program, so there might be a player that has a shoulder injury. Yep. So their prehab program is going to focus on their shoulder, right? Yep. Like, you know, as well as other things. And then there might be someone else who's got like, you know, maybe some weakness in their calves or like, you know, so they're going to have a prehab program program that's going to focus on you know their calves or you know other things um and it really interested me when I started to think about it in the context of organizational change because so part of what I've been interested in with change is about we focus a lot on delivery and getting good at change delivery um, but then there's organizational change capability and how do we get the organization better at receiving change yeah so if we think about that from a cultural perspective and that culture is really, so our organisational culture is the sum of people behaving, right? So it's the sum of individuals. Mm. To get a change, um, a capable change culture, it's really the sum of individuals that can receive change well, yeah. right? So yeah. to me, the idea of a prehab program for change is about how do we create an organisational culture where the individuals can receive change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so how is that different to a warm up? So, to me, a warm up. So, an athlete would teams would never go and play a match without doing a warm up. So, and it's the same. We would never introduce change without having a warm up for that change, and that's change management, right? So, we still need mm-hmm. to go through our change stages of getting people like raising awareness about the change, mm-hmm. creating that buy in, making sure that people are prepared and able to adopt the change. But prehab is more around the individual skills to receive change. So when I started looking at prehab, so I got this idea and like, you know, as I've said, I like to go down, like, you know, kind of go down the rabbit hole and, you know, really investigate things. So Mm -hmm. I started to look at what makes up a prehab program from a sporting kind of perspective. And it talked a lot about, you know, you've got um, stability, balance, flexibility, strength, like, you know, these are kind of the components. And I thought it's the same in terms of individuals and how we receive change, right? Mm. So we can focus on our individual skills 
around stability, which is really self-knowledge, right? So to me, stability is a lot of knowing myself and knowing how I react to change and what can I do to work on getting better at that reaction or response to change. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, balance, which is, again, in a sporting um, kind of frame, when we talk about balance, we often talk about regaining from being off balance, right? So if I'm yeah. working with someone with netball and, like, you know, we, I'm working on balance, it's about throwing them a ball so they get it off balance <laughs> and how do you get back, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so it's the same kind of thing. I think that balance in that kind of, you know, individual capability is about how do we recover? It's a recovery piece from being off balance. Um, strength, of course, which is about, like, you know, our strengths and and not only how do you build on the strengths we already have, yeah. but how do we build on those weaknesses right like you know so yeah, there's a yeah. component. and then flexibility which is all the mindset piece right like you know we have to be able to to accept change and adapt to change well we've got to be flexible in the way that we look at things and how we think about things so I think that we can take things from this like from this sporting idea of prehab and apply it to individuals in an organization to create a change ready culture like a change ready workforce um yeah. we still need to do warm-up right we still need change we still need change management because we've got to prep people for the actual match right yeah. like you know yeah. but prehab is about you know making sure that at an individual level that you know we're developing those skills I love it I love it and so I fully understand the sport and netball analogy um yep. but do you have any real life examples where you've used prehab for change and how has that gone? Yep. Um, so I think the first real life example is probably about starting with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because this is an individual program, when I started thinking about it, the first thing that happened was I kind of had an idea. Um, and what I wanted to do was take the idea from more than it being theory based and really try and turn it into something that was practical. Um, I also, the other thing I like about the kind of thinking about sport and sporting context is if I think about the workplace, to me, the workplace is a bit of a performance arena, right? Like, you know, it's where we turn up to perform and yes, we want to be going there and we want to be like, you know, having fun and being authentic and, you know, being ourselves, but you know, we go there to do a job, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so trying to take this idea of, How do I take these ideas around, you know, strength, stability, balance and flexibility and put it into something that can be used in real life? Part of that as well was leveraging some sports thinking around performance thinking, right? Like, do you know what I mean? So how do you kind of push from having the knowledge about this to push yourself into applying the skills in a performance context? Mm -hmm. So Part of that was understanding when I was in these situations, when I was getting, you know, I guess triggers about responding to change. Yeah. How do I bring myself back to my own stability? So how do I build those those skills in myself first? And then what do I do with them? Um, so I've done a couple of sessions, you know, with people where we actually run through a bit of a training, a sports training framework and like deliberately try and put people into situations of pressure <laughs> where like, you yeah. know, leverage the skills. Um, And I've also started to introduce it to my team at work and have conversations around, well, what does this look like for you? And I've found it to be a really useful leadership language. 
Um, because when we start to have conversations with team members about like, you know, well, what do you need to be balanced? What do you need to recover, right? Like, you know, when things are getting unbalanced, <laughs> what happens in your life? Like, what do you need to do to get back to a point of balance? So I found it's a useful leadership conversation, like a useful leadership language, because I can start to now have those conversations of like, you know, hey, there's a lot going on. You seem really stressed. You've told me that, you know, going to the gym is one of those things that you do to get rebalanced. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing that? Like you need to leave early so that you can, yeah. you know, head off to the gym. Like don't. <laughs> yeah, or like, don't come in until nine so you can get yeah. it done before work. Yeah. Exactly right. Like, you know, um, and the same with those conversations about stability it's that really coming back to the kind of like, you know, well, let's have that conversation about, you know, who you are and like, you know, what's important to you and where do you want to get to? Like what it just brings, I think it's a language around an easier language around um, change capability and how people cope in times of stress. Mm. Mm. And I guess the other thing I was thinking of while you were talking is, you know, I think, part of the reason everyone's so focused on delivery is because, I mean, we're lucky if we even get brought in at the right time during delivery. So um, hearing you speak, I'm just thinking that prehab and, and, you know, I dabble a lot in the change capability space too. That requires an investment and it requires, and you also talked about recovery. Mm. Um, too often people who are the receivers of change are not given time to recover before they're slammed with the next one. Because yep. everybody's fighting and nobody wants to, you know, drop their project or reschedule their go live. Um, and so how, like, how does that go get gaining that investment and, you know, getting the buy-in from people with influence within the organisation? Yep. Um, so I've, I've thought a lot about this in terms of, you know, I don't know about you, but I've certainly been involved in change programs where there's, there has been a focus on wellness, right? And there's mm. been a focus on well-being for people. But I find that the way that it's done sometimes is a bit, um, the organisation might say, okay, so we know that there's this big change coming up and it might involve a restructure and it might be very unsettling for people. So let's call in, like, you know, the ERP provider and, like, you know, we'll kind of have them on site oh. and, like, you know, <laughs> and to me it's... Give it's everyone set... a 15-minute massage that will solve it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it also sets up, it's that's more of a flag and an indicator. To, to me that raises, it's like what you were talking about before with the canyon swing, right? Mm. Like it raises the anxiety around, oh, my goodness, something is coming, right? Yeah. Whereas to me the idea of prehab is it's something that's happening all of the time. So athletes don't just do it before the season starts like they're still doing their prehab exercises yeah. as they go through right yeah. so it's more around a way of thinking about how we equip individuals for change <laughs> rather mm -hmm. than kind of going oh my goodness I think it's also looking at you know the kind of very old the traditional way of looking at um you know change going back to that kind of Lewin model of you've got kind of like you know your stable state like you know then you unfreeze it and then you refreeze it yeah I don't think that we can look at change that way anymore. Nah. We can't look at organisations that way. It's constant and we live in the VUCA world. Or What's the totally. new VUCA? There's another acronym that's superseding that. I forgot. Barney? Barney? Is it? VUCA? I don't, um, I don't know. There's VUCA. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the new one. year. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're easing back into it. We don't know all the acronyms <laughs> yet, but 
<laughs> I'm gonna um, go. I'll probably go look it up and like add a little note in the show notes because I'll be like, oh, you don't even know. You don't even yeah. know your stuff anymore. <laughs> Two weeks off. You know, it is the beginning of the year. We have to give ourselves a bit of forgiveness. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that it's to me the whole thing is around more of a shift towards how do we create change-ready organisations, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do we do that? And as I say, it's really not, I'm not trying to say that we don't need to have change management because we do. You still need yeah. to prepare people for specific changes. Um, I think there's also a lot around, and you know, and I'd mentioned this to you before as well, to me, with change delivery, there's a lot of, I'll go back to my netball analogy, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we we focus on the delivery. We focus on the person throwing, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. But when you're actually learning to catch and throw, you're mm. focusing on, on the, the throw and the catch, right? Like, you know, for it to actually work well, people need to be able to throw and catch the ball. Yeah. And you need to be able to catch a bad ball, right? Like, you've got to be able to catch a bad pass. Yeah. Not every pass is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's part of where we need to start to move to in the way we think about change and organizational change capability is how do we just lift individuals so that, you know, we have a workforce, like a group of people that are all individually better at receiving change. Mm. So we still need to deliver well and we've got to focus on the past, right? Like, you know, because yep. you'd never go, you'd never go to a group of netballers and say, like, you know, don't worry, you can just throw crap passes, right? Like, you know, yeah, just throw whatever. Doesn't <laughs> like matter. You still say we've got to focus it. on the past and you've got to deliver it well, right? But it's just as important for the people that are receiving the change to get better skills in regards to receipt, like, you know, better, better skills about receiving it. Mm. Mm. Using the netball, you know, continuing with the netball analogy. Um, I have pretty arthritic knees from being really good at receiving passes. <laughs> so like how, yeah, following on from that, like how can we make the receivers not only receive the ball well, but reduce their chance of injury in the process? And I think it really does come back to having the the real conversations with people about change. I was thinking about this as well um, about injury right Mm. so like let's be real sometimes people have gone through workplace change and it has been really bad and sometimes traumatic right like you know sometimes it's delivered you know really badly and people can people can have scars I've been on the receiving end of really I I often wonder if that was a catalyst for me being so passionate about it and ending up in change because of my you know more formative but yeah there's some can actually can I tell a story it's a really old one so um, everyone knows I fell into change and I think most, oh, I don't know if the listeners know, I was a mature age uni student. I went to like, I was younger at school and I went to uni straight after school. I had just turned 17 and I did a year and hardly turned up. And then I eventually dropped out and did a gap year and went traveling. And then when I was in my twenties, went, oh, I think I needed, because at that time I couldn't get into the jobs that I wanted to get into without a degree. I think it's a bit yeah. different now. Um and then like, so there was a period of time where I was working, living in Adelaide, working in kind of shared service type jobs. Cause that was a big thing in Adelaide at the time. So I worked in a job for an organization who I won't name. And yeah, they, <laughs> they introduced this. Well, it, <laughs> I don't think it's on my link at my LinkedIn. So you won't find out, 
But my job was, I was, um, you know, when you move house and when you're filling out your form, if they say, oh, do you want us to organize all your electricity and gas connections and you tick a box? Yep. I was working for an energy company, like an energy retailer. And the people who ticked those box, we would, I was taking, like my team was taking them and organizing all their connections. So this company introduced a new system for managing that. And they were like, yeah, it's going live. It went live. It didn't bloody work. And so we would spend the day processing people's new electricity connections. And then the next day we would come in and realize none of those went through. We had a full new day's worth of work. So we had to do double. And then the next day it was triple. And then people were going to move into their houses and their electricity wasn't connected because our system hadn't processed the connections properly. So then we had customers yelling, like calling up, screaming at us. Yeah. And we were just like, do something about this. (laughs) This is horrible. And that's when they went, oh, we're bringing in a masseuse. You can all have a 15-minute massage. It was so bad, Kathy. And I often, <laughs> like, I think about, and now that I'm a change professional and a project professional and, you know, I've got a big special, specialization in, like, system implementations and tech and digital training, I just look back and I'm like, who was managing that project? Like, yeah. who tested this? You know, where was the testing? Where was the change manager? And I've had quite a few experiences like that where it, and I'm like yeah because I just got think back and I'm like that was so bad like how did they let that happen and the consequences were real they were losing customers they yep. were having to pay people who you know couldn't move in like they had to pay like a compensation and stuff so it was like the, like hello yeah. uh, so anyway I went off track sorry but- no no I think that that's really valid because I mean this is part of the point right so yeah. that's happening and you're you've got this experience and so do yeah. all of your co-workers right like everyone mm. that's in the everyone that's getting those calls and having the um the people call up and yell at them but it's not necessarily the same experience right in the sense of what you're taking from it and what you're you know kind of I guess internalizing like thinking about yourself and internalizing is different to the next person that you're working alongside of right like you know because we all have different triggers for different things right like you know um, so I think that it's this idea of if we can give people the skills to, you know, recover from that. And now we're, you know, going into a little bit of talking about like, you know, kind of rehab, but that's yeah. the idea. What we want to do is get people to a point where it's prehab, not rehab, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Where there's, yeah. we don't, we don't have to do so much work. We're not about, fixing like, things know. that are broken. We're actually yeah. doing it properly. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, and absolutely. Like, I think that there's definitely a, a case of for for people <laughs> um we need we need to as change professionals and I guess you know my kind of shout out to executives and like you know the real decision makers is mm. let's worry less about fixing it afterwards right like and we'll often like you know we as a change person we go in and we kind of talk about the history of change change experience is something that we will kind of talk about right like because it matters. If people have had a really bad change experience, then it means that the effort to implement this next change is potentially more, right? Like, you know, because they are jaded. I actually heard something, this is a different kind of twist on this. I went to a a coaching talk recently with um, Bryony Ankle, who's the head, the coach for New South Wales Swifts. And she was talking about like, you know, just coaching and like, you know, team culture and a whole lot of pieces Um, and talking about prehab right so she she talked a little bit about prehab in that but she also talked about the readiness that players need to do is different depending on their playing career right 
Mm. So people that are, have been doing it for a long time, playing for a long time, and they know how to get ready, right? Like their preseason mm. looks different to the new player that's just kind of, you know, come through, right? Like, you know, so someone that's just come yeah. out of that kind of like in a high level association level, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, is now coming through to to play. Yeah, because it's a step up. up. Yeah. Leveling up, right? And I thought, yeah, isn't that interesting? And that's an interesting thing as well for me from a change perspective. Yeah, people that have been in the workforce a long time and subject like subjected to a lot of change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have different change readiness skills yeah. <laughs> to people that are fresh out of the, you know, fresh into the workforce. Yeah. Um, people that have worked in organizations that have undertaken a lot of change and that change, you know, may have been successful, have different change readiness skills. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we can start to think about change readiness and how we get people ready for change in a different kind of way. Mm. Mm, such good points. And I always make that point. You know how there's like a oh, what's an attitude or a generalization that oh, older people resist change and, and younger people? And it's like, no, 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 they've seen more change. So oh, yeah. they're a lot more used to it. And in the workplace, like, you know, I've, I've seen like any, anyone of any age can accept or reject change or have a hard time. Like age is not a predetermining factor. Um, yeah. And sometimes the people that have been through more change actually have the better questions right like that's what I find is that sometimes they're kind of like you know well you know like I've seen this before right Especially so tell me about this this or that and it's kind of like oh yeah like that's a really good if they've been really recipients of bad change too they'll be asking the questions to go I, it's, I don't want it to be like that other time yeah. so they'll be like will we be trained when is that happening how are we going to be supported what's going to happen if there's a problem because yep. yeah you've experienced it all yep yep I do think that um, sometimes with the the people that have been in the workforce for a longer period of time, um, and this is something when if I talk about that skill, that prehab skill around um, stability and that kind of like, you know, self-knowledge, mm-hmm. I think that for some people the sands have shifted in terms of when they entered the workforce, the kind of psychological contract that you would have had with your organisation is around job for life right? Like in yeah. a job for life and um, succession based on length of service. Like, you know, mm. there's a, diff- a different kind of contract that they entered into, a different way of thinking about it that they entered into. And sometimes we've, you know, we kind of shift the sands under people's feet because it's not so much these days job for life, right? It's about mm. building those. I think the promise from organizations is about building skills and capabilities. Like we're going to build capabilities so that you can be employed for life, right? Like, you know, yeah. we're going to help develop you. Um, but I don't think that we've done the work necessarily to really instill that level of knowledge within individuals. So, you know, for me, when I started going down this path of thinking about like, you know, stability and, and myself and, you know, what a, how can I rely on myself? Like, you know, um, it really started to draw out this, yeah, like it's actually what I need to invest in is me and my skills, right, because I want to be employable for life, um, you know, which I just think, again, is it's a leadership conversation that's an important one to have. So I think that yeah. part of this piece around prehab is around mm. a leadership conversation toolkit. That little bit you just said reminded me of some unintentional career advice I received, which I've never mentioned on the, and, you know, it wasn't, I'm going to give you some advice. It was somebody talking to me about their fears. And I think I was oh, I was working on my first Salesforce implementation many moons ago. 
and the guy, there was a man who was the owner of one of the vendor companies we were working with, lovely man, Canadian. Uh, his name was Doug. Hi, Doug. Um, I don't think he listens to the podcast. But he was coming out to Australia and he, you know, used to like, I guess because we were a client team, he sometimes took us out for dinner and drinks and it was so fascinating to talk to. And one of the things he said, he said, yeah, as I get older, I'm terrified of becoming irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And I just went, oh. And I think I was about 30 at the time. And so I was like, oh, I'm not. not. But as I, like not long after that, I was like, well, I don't want to be irrelevant either. And it's something that's always on my mind. And particularly, you know, when you're contracting Mm. and now consulting, like I want to be the most modern, up-to-date, using the freshest method change professional I can be. Like I would just be so upset and mortified if, people were describing me as a dinosaur or, mm. you know, she's so 1990s, the things that she's doing, like I would just die. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, and I think there's something in that, that you can just do your one certification and stick with that and try and repeat it and jam it, you know, or you can keep going and searching what's out there. How can I stay fit? How yep. can I make sure that I'm match ready or client ready? Um, and even this year I'm looking at what, will my learning look like? Like I'm looking through, yeah, what should my, like, yeah, my professional development be? Because I always do a minimum of one one thing and it doesn't have to be certifications, guys. Mm. It can be a lot of things. Um, but, yeah, you need to be constantly, like it could be going to a conference, just hearing some new ideas, listening to probably like, but, yeah, I just think, and there are a lot of people in the profession who do that and maybe they just think, oh, well, um, I can just keep doing it this way. But I don't think that's the way anymore. And I think there's also one of the, you know, kind of aha moments for me through my career is like, yeah, like you, you know, insatiable learner, super curious, you know, love to learn things. And whether that's through, you know, certified way, like certified mm. courses or, you know, just diving into podcasts and books and like, you know, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Um, but there's knowledge, right? Like so there's what you what you learn and all the stuff that you hold in your head. And then there's that next level of, you know, kind of really knowing within yourself and at your core that, you know, that you've got this, you've got you, right? Like, you know, that yeah. change can come flying at you and like, you know, you could walk in, they could say tomorrow, like, you know, sorry, Tash, sorry, Kathy, like, you know, jobs changed, right? Like, you know, we don't need you in that role anymore. And that's what happens, right? Yeah. It's great to have knowledge and it's great to keep our skills up to date because that helps us remain employable. But in terms of how we actually cope with that change, like cope with that moment, I think so much of it comes back to that self-knowledge and that belief in yourself. And like, you know, like I've got this, like I can do it, right? Like, you Mm. know, and I think that there's this point of it's about starting to train ourselves away from that fear response, right? Like, you know, so how do we, how do we tap in? Because with every change, there's loss and there's opportunity. And I think as change people, we do an awful lot of talking about like, you know, how we automatically like our brains are geared to kind of go towards fear or go towards loss. And that's true, right? Yeah. Like, you know, but I think the thing that interests me and intrigues me is that how do we get better instead at moving our response towards opportunity? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, so yeah. how do we, and to me, that's part of like, you know, we, we've got to, we've got to learn those stability skills. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, so how do I, 
how do I get confident in myself, get yeah. calm in myself? Like how do I understand when these things are hitting me and my, you know, reaction or response is going to be one thing? How mm. do I hold myself, calm myself and like, you know, move towards opportunity instead? Yeah. And you're so spot on with the comment you made before. Like I'm thinking about my own experience as, you know, being a contractor for many, many years and now being a consultant. Like every time you start a new contract or start with a new client, it's basically like starting a new job. You're in a new organization, new physical location, new laptop, new culture, new people. Um, the pro you've got to learn about the project as well as everything that surrounds it. Who are the key stakeholders? Who are the key players? Who do I need to build relationships with? Um, and you know, that first as a contractor and consultant, much more so than a perm, you are expected to deliver from day one. You're expected to, and even while you're like, I don't know what's going on here. Because there's usually, for me, it's probably about four weeks for more complicated programs. Maybe it can be up to six weeks, right? Before I'm fully up to speed. Um, But I now know I've done so many projects now and I've always felt that, like it's maybe about two weeks in, you just go, fuck, I'm a little bit overwhelmed and I've got to pretend that I'm not because I've got high expectations. And I now know that happens every time I start on a new project or with a new client. And every time I've done a good job, I've built the relationships and, you know, I've executed what I need to execute. Um, So I just go, okay, I'm going to recognize that feeling, but it's always been fine every other time. It's going to be fine this time too. And then I just move on with it. I don't let it debilitate me or, um, you know, make me like it doesn't affect my performance because I just go, this is completely normal. People are, you know, yes, they're ex- they've got expectations that I'm going to know about change. But they're not expecting I'm going to know about, you know, detailed user stories or the project or the organization. So as long as I don't say anything, <laughs> you know, s- silly about change, then we're good. Yeah, we're good. So yeah. yeah, that's an interesting one because when you're newer to contracting, it does take a few goes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, absolutely. You know, well, it's the change curve, right? Like, you know, yeah. um, so my husband recently started a job and I was so impressed because the manager keeps on talking to him. They don't call it the change curve, right? Like, you know, but he mm. keeps on talking to him about the change curve and keeps on saying like, you know, okay, so there's going to be a period, it's going to all be great. And then there's going to be a period of time when you're going to feel overwhelmed and you're going to like, you know, um, have this dip and and he just from day dot of starting this job has just had that conversation and I think that like you know it's a language that we need to just bring in right like you know more and more just as part of you know all of our conversations within the workforce um, because learning to cope with change is the missing ingredient like we can deliver as well as we want right like you know we can mm-hmm. have the best delivery teams in the world but it doesn't change the fact that the way that individuals go through change is that there is an emotional response and emotional reaction to that. Yeah. And I think another interesting question that what you've been saying raises is the responsibility on the individual. Cause I feel, and that's a conversation I've seen happening, you know, in the change, change management professional community as well. So many people, you know, they want to be babied and wrapped in cotton wool and they won't actually take the initiative and they're not doing the work. And then they sit and point the finger and go, oh, that was badly change managed. And it's like, well, where's the line of responsibility? Because as a change manager, I'm not people's mum. I'm not the mum of the project and the organisation. Like I'm not here to wipe your bum and pull, you know, get you dressed. Like you got to do that yourself. (laughs) 
Oh, totally. Yeah. I, absolutely. And I'll go back to like, you know, to me it's part of that. So I, I'm a, you know, true believer in that um, people have to change themselves, right? Like, you know, can't do it for you. Can't. I can't yeah. make you change, right? Like yeah. people have to opt you in to want to change. change. Yeah. Like, you know. And you um, need and to like, do the work. They need to like, do the work. And, it's and just, it comes back to your sports, right? Not every, if you want to be a professional athlete, you've got to do the work. If you have a totally. fitness goal, you know, you want to build muscle or you want to build strength, you got to do the work. you got to eat right. you got to hit the gym. you got to, yeah. yeah, like lay off the booze. <laughs> oh, well, and even if like, you know, I think to me it's this whole idea of if you're working in an organisation, right, so again we'll go back to the sporting kind of thing, you're, you're turning up to play. You're stepping on that court, yeah. right? Now if you're stepping on that court, you're a participant in that match, right? <laughs> so what are you doing to make sure that you can perform, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can just stand still, but then expect to get hit by the ball or left out of the game. Put on the bench. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or know, even worse, so... be made wing defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to defend wing defenders. <laughs> really important position. It is a really important position, but it was so often the position that like the lazy person get oh, totally. but why why is that the default oh well but, the person is not very good in wing defense but then part of the problem is is that like you know then when you start to get to these higher kind of grades and like you know coaching at that higher level and you give people the wing defense patch and they feel like they've been demoted and you're like yeah. no <laughs> what did i do <laughs> It's a really important position, right? Like, you know. Yeah, because if you have a bad person in wing defence, the wing attack every single time is going to get sent a pass and then it'll be in the goal circle before you know it. So I guess, I guess. So, yeah, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of my own. Like, why was that a thing? (laughs) Like yeah, in defense, yeah, in defense of wing defense. You know, well, look, we can go down a whole, and it brings up a whole different kind of stuff. Like, um, you know, I also like to think about like you know roles in change, and like you know then roles in terms of like you know you've got your roles on a sporting team, right? Like you know, and all different people do different things, and it's the same as like you know roles in change, and different people do different things. But that is a topic for another day. But yeah, mm. there's so mm. that's why I love like you know matching up this kind of you know the the sport side of my brain with like, you know, the organizational change side of my brain, because I just find it to be, um, there are just so many synergies and I could really just talk about it all day long. Amazing. Amazing. I could too. Um, but I think we both have to get, I've sadly have to get back to work, but before we go, where can people learn more about Preham for change? Do you have any workshops coming up or anything like that, that people can get onto? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually uh, finalising a course. I've turned the content into a course that I'll be offering. Yeah, I know, wow. very exciting. Um, so, you know, people can absolutely do that. And I'm also, I'll be doing some other sessions at some conferences, like change conferences uh, later this year. Yeah, because you um, had a bit of a, you knocked it out of the park at ACDC last year, I heard. <laughs> yes, I wasn't there. yes. Yeah, it was, look, it was super fun. That's the only other thing that I will say in all of this is the other thing I think we need to do more of is tap into joy and fun, right? Mm. Like, you know, change doesn't need to, we can have fun. You can learn and have fun. And I know that that's like, you know, people say it all the time, but we can do change and have fun, right? Like, you know, change isn't, it's not all about, you know, feeling bad. We can feel good. We can feel joy and we can change. But that's another, again, another thing. Another topic. Um, Yeah, so I do have uh, a website. So yes, I know, I know. Uh, so 
My website is uh, agilesports.org um, nice. and I can also be contacted at kathy at agilesports.org. Uh, so I'll make sure that that's in the show notes. And can people also follow you on LinkedIn to get the details can. of when you're releasing the course? Yes, they absolutely can. So, yep, um, hit me up on LinkedIn, love LinkedIn, you know, send me messages. I like to chat. So, you know, if anyone's up for a good chat, I am always available. Yeah. And do you have a date for the course going live or? Uh, yeah, April. So, April. yeah, yeah, probably at the end of April. So after yeah. Easter. All right. Well, this is going to be out probably next week. So I would yeah. say give Kathy a follow so you can be the first to know when Prehab for Change goes live. Uh, well, Kathy, you have been an absolutely delightful guest. Thank you so much for your time and your generosity and all of your netball analogies. It really took me back. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks yeah, for joining right. us. Absolutely. And Tash, yes. here if you need. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with another episode of Casa de Cambio in a week or so's time. And just a reminder for all you listeners, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to drop me a five-star rating and write a review. Otherwise, we'll see you soon. Bye.